Welcome everyone to another episode of Wood from the Trees. There I have a guy that I've been following on Instagram and we've been our friends, aren't we? Ah, the best friends. Our best friends. <laughs> but this is actually my first time meeting you in person. Uh, yeah. Desmond Dial from Wicklow. Where where exactly in Wicklow are you from? Uh from Ockram. Ockram, just the sawmill. I would fab down there, yeah. 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 Big into timber when you were young. Mm, wouldn't say that, no, no. Did more you f- more farming? Farming, are you a farmer's son? No, no, no. I just worked on worked on farms. Farm. So, how did you get into timber? Um, that's a bit of a story, I suppose. I was looking for something to do, so I, I, after the uh, junior cert for transition year, I decided I'd take the year off and go working. And after, after the junior sir. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I fucking hate school, so mm. absolutely detested it. So anyway, I was allowed to do that, but then end of the year, <coughs> I had to go back to school, and I was like, not a hope. What were you working at while you left school? Uh, just working on farms. Just doing a bit Yeah, farming. contracting and stuff mm. like the driving tractors. Um, so, yeah, my mother said, look, at, you're going back to school unless you find... A job. A, well, a trade or... A course that you can do so mm. i literally applied for everything 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 i i could see and just as you just didn't want to go back to school pretty much yeah so uh i applied for this uh forestry course up in cavan and belly hayes mm. and went and done an interview i think it was down did port, you know what it was for fucking clue just it was a course it was forestry. it was a course and it wasn't go back to school yeah. and forestry i never even considered Anything to do with forestry prior, prior to that, like so. Anyway, went for this interview. Uh, turned out I was too young I had to be 18, I was only 17 at the time. And uh, done kicking, the interview, kicking the bollocks for you, yeah. No, no, I done the interview, and like it was only a few months out. So, the course director, anyway, is like, um, how much do you really want to do this? I was like, Really, really, yeah, yeah, like this is something I've always wanted. You've no idea how I hate school, buddy. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. I can say that too, but um, so anyway, he rang me the next week and he said, If you really wanted, like, the place is there, um, but you know, you are underage, but we can make some allowances or whatever. Mm. And uh, got the course, then went. And did you know what the course was actually for? Forestry. <laughs> just that big forestry so when you went home and your mom said what are you doing forestry what does it entail don't know not a clue yeah so, so were you baptized in fire then what happened when you started the course um well it turned out i actually quite enjoyed it it's very interesting um but yeah i'd never and i'd never been away from home before either so this was a definitely a baptism by fire because um it was up in pally hayes our soul cabin and the brother threw me into the car, a few bags, drove me up, dumped me off in the middle of the yard up there. That was it? Turned around. First See time you later, away from home. Yeah. I was shit scared. Go away. What yeah. age are you? 18. Just uh, going so 18. Just turning 18, yeah. You weren't driving at the time, obviously. No, no, no. And when did you figure out that it was, what would you call it? What aspect of forestry would you have called it then? Um, I suppose it was setting you up for you know, the planting, um, bit of husbandry, sort of forest maintenance sort of thing, mm. I suppose, you know, and that sort of carry on. Did you like it? Yeah, I loved it, yeah. How long was the course? Uh, I ended up three, uh, two years. 
Uh, so we went out on placement. We were down in uh, Mount Julie and Thomastown doing a forestry rejuvenation thing. But really, we were just going out every night and getting pissed and <laughs> falling asleep in the vacant woods during the day. <laughs> so they weren't working the shade, only? <laughs> Not at all, no, no. Um, that was a bit of crack, like. was four, four of us down there in a house down in, in on the estate down in Mount Julie's lovely place, like. Yeah. But yeah, we just we just ripped the piss over. Did you go to work after that then? Um, no, I went back up to Bally Hayes again then, and I done all the tree climbing courses. What made you do that? Just found it interesting. Uh, yeah, found it interesting. I see they were running the courses up there, and I had seen the lads doing it. Jeez, oh, that looks class! Like, you know, it's it's pretty ballsy work. So is we fit for it? Oh, extremely fit. Yeah. You have to have a bit of a nerve about you as well, I suppose. For heights. Yeah, for everything. You know, it's a dangerous enough job, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I just remember seeing the lads think, geez, I won't do that. So, um, And to be fair, I think like, the forestry works fucking hard anyway. It it's is. It's hard enough. And I don't it's know. physical. Yeah, very physical, yeah. And I'm not, is the pay that great? I don't think. At least mm. maybe that day and it wasn't. Where there was a lot of work for tree surgery. Yeah. You know, the jobs were there and I think the money was better. Uh, was the training hard? Not really, because I enjoyed it, you know. It was good, good fun. Um, you weren't scared to saw first day? Not really, no. And some of the climbing now, I don't know, is she's to be shaking. Like. Really? Oh, yeah. How did they train you how to climb? Um, did they bring you out on site two yeah, trees? Yeah, just bring you out, big trees, set you up, um, teach you all the bits and pieces and then get you to put markers up in the tree, like tags and stuff. Send John. So they'd you show you a tree and they'd say, get to there. Get to there, get out to there. Uh, and once you finish doing the climbing, do they teach you how to knock a tree down without killing yourself? How do yeah, they do that well, practically? Yeah, the climbing bits first and then yeah, operating a saw from up in the tree then is next. Do they teach you how to work the saw down on the ground first? So, well, first, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had to do all the... Do you the, do the blown yeah. trees, the, like the full saw Yeah, course? yeah, 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 yeah. The whole lot of it. So the first time you worked the saw, you weren't ever a bit afraid of it or... I don't think so, no. Do you no. think it's weird that I work in forestry my whole life and I'm terrified of saw? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. And angle grinders. Oh, no, I, I, I'd be the same angle grinders. Don't trust those. Uh, you, you don't trust an angle grinder, but you no. trust a saw. <laughs> <laughs> which are like a hundred times more dangerous. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose I just got used to using them. But uh, I mean, say some of the lads that were doing the course to me, they were just absolutely hopeless. One lad, he used to pick the saw up and he'd have it. He'd be holding it the wrong way. Like, go away. Yeah. You loved sad. working with him. How about he goes to that branch? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, he was two ends useless. Um... How long were you training? And you took to it, obviously, and you liked it. Yeah, yeah, I did. And actually, I when I finished up in Cavan, um, they offered me like a scholarship thing down in Waterford. A scholarship for climbing trees? No, no, this is uh, forest management. Oh, yeah. Um, you could have been a quilch man. Could have been. Uh, but it wasn't. Uh, I went down there for one day. Didn't like it? And I thought, this is... This is just too much. And like it was going to be another, what, three years or something? You just wanted to get... And well, work. I'd been offered a job from a lad in Leash and he was doing sort of experimental um, plots that he was harvesting and then he was he was mul- or he was chipping. And for 
the early stages, I suppose, of, you know, those pellet, pellet burners. Yeah. This is what he was getting into. So I went to, um, he offered me a job. And initially, I was like, no, nah, sure, I'm going to, I'm starting this course down in Waterford. Mm. And that evening, anyway, after just, the, like, literally the first day, got on the phone. I said, Tom, is that job still on the go there? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, grand, see you next week. <laughs> you, you were that sure after one day? <sighs> yeah, I think just the academic end of it just wasn't. And when you started that job, how long did you stay there? That was only six months. And where did you go then? Uh, ended up back up in Wicklow, working on the golf course. Driving a digger, actually, initially. How long uh, did you stay at that? Four or five months. And then? Left and went to New Zealand. On a, like an exploratory mission? Um, Yeah, I suppose. I was going to stay there for three months. I was going out with a Kiwi girl at the time. And she and was moving back home. Just so back I, back I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I'll go for this then. What you work at over there? Uh, I, initially, I was working for an agricultural contractor, just driving tractors, uh, mowing, and all that sort of carry on. Um, and then somehow managed to land this job with the the, the equivalent of DSB the over there. Climbing, oh, doing, climbing trees. Do, yeah, doing tree work around the power lines. Very good. Uh, I ended up doing that for years. Then. How long did you stay out there? Uh, about eleven years. Did you? Yeah. In New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Working all around or just in one area? No, all around the place. It was good, like, working for that company because they, it sends you different places and different contracts that come up. So I ended up going working for different companies. And they actually then, um, I had to transfer all my qualifications from here. To there. To there. Did you do any courses? Yeah, they put me through a whole um, curriculum of, well, whatever that wasn't um, translatable, basically. Yeah. to gain qualifications over there, um, our level six or whoever it was. Is it harder course. out there than here? Harder work? <laughs> no, easier. Is it not really warm? I don't mind that though. You don't mind now. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> but back then, coming from here, uh, working around the power lines, it's there's so much health and safety involved in that. I love it's just. Did you ever injure yourself? Sitting there, uh, no. No, never. Never cut yourself with saw? No. Now Gareth. Gareth's going to listen to this. Gareth cut himself very early in his saw career. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. Why not? I, it, it went across my leg once. But you had the stuff on? Yeah. And it just clogged up. But apart from that, no, never. So why did you leave that job? Uh, I just wanted to change, getting a bit... It, you know, do something for long enough, you kind of... You were young It's not much well. of a challenge anymore to it. Yeah. That's what I found anyway. Uh, went and um, uh, moved down to Christchurch and worked for a tree surgery company down there, managing contracts that were um, for the power company down there. And that was the worst job i ever done. It was horrendous. Even though it sounds easier? Well, it was managerial, so I was overseeing lads. It was Had pricing you to be a jobs. prick? Yeah. Giving out to them? Yeah. You didn't like that or you did like it? No, I hated it. hated it. And it was too much office work as well, just sitting, you know, a lot of office Meetings with all sorts of people dealing with landowners, you know, wasn't for me. And after that, after that, then, um, that's kind of when I sort of landed on the whole super yacht end of things. This is where we're heading, by the way. <laughs> this, <laughs> this that is it. I, I just can't, I'm trying to figure out how you get from A 
Z. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. Z. So well, yeah, how did that Well, happen? when I first moved to New Zealand, actually, I went and I done a Discover Scuba thing. I was away on holidays and I just seen this advertised. I was like, fuck, I'll give that a go. So went down to the this um, scuba shop and asked them if we were able to book in for the next day. Because myself and the girlfriend at the time. So scuba like, lessons. Scuba lessons. Well, it was just like an introductory thing. They just take you, throw you in the water. Could you swim? No. Really? No. <laughs> <laughs> I said to your man. Only an Irish man would do man, that. <laughs> I said to your man, if there's one thing, I cannot swim. I can't float. I can't do anything. It's like, be grand. Stick a wetsuit on you. You'd float your proper way. And you have a BCD. You'd be fine. What's a BCD? The, your inflation. Oh, the life jacket. Yeah, your inflation device. So I thought that was a sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> well, <laughs> 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 not then it wasn't. Um, so... Yeah, we went down the next day, cleared us out, went out on this boat, threw us off the side. Um, instantly, so, uh, my girlfriend started to freak out. When you say they threw she, you off the side, you pawn all the stuff, yeah. put the thing in your mouth. Yeah, roll back off the side of the boat, and then you're in the water. In the and, ocean? And you're floating, yeah. Shite myself. Oh, stop. And I, like, funnily enough, even though I couldn't swim, I wasn't too bothered. Did you float? Yeah, yeah, thank God. <laughs> Just bobbing on the ground, on the yeah. top of the water. Yeah. And you're breathing away. Yeah, yeah, that was grand. And anyway, the girlfriend freaked out, so he took her back to the boat, put her back on the boat, and I went on with him. He just deflated. We went down. I was having a bit of a kick around, just swimming along. He was behind me. So I kept going. Next thing, you look around. So where the fuck's your man gone? He was gone. I couldn't see him. I must be there somewhere. So I kept kicking along anyway. Um, your man had lost me. Oh, wait. He'd found a, um, like a lobster pot. And he was trying to get this lobster out of the pot or some fucking thing. Oh, he was swimming away. So he was oblivious. <laughs> and uh, he swam back to the boat with this lobster anyway, threw it in. and Desmond's lost at sea. Pretty much. He says to the girl, uh, where is he? So I don't know. Uh, I thought you could come back to the boat or something. Can't find him. So anyway, he had to go look for me. Then Some she, teacher. Oh, stop. Then she went and found me How anyway. do you find you? It's not shouting in the water. Like. No, she can't hear anything. Um, and you were oblivious he would have been to a, that. He wouldn't, able to, he wouldn't able to see the bubbles coming up. But you were, you were loving life. You were just... Oh, just having a right old time. Yeah, little did I know. I was lo- oh, like, he had lost me. <laughs> so anyway, he managed to find me. Come got me, put me back in the boat. Yeah, all right? Yeah, yeah, grand. But you got the bug then? Yeah, yeah. Sign up for a course the next week. What does the course entail? Is that hard? Well, that's just all the basics of learning. But you're still not being able to swim. Didn't really help either. So uh, what are you learning how to go down deeper, or is it just well initially like to... what twelve meters or whatever, um, and then yeah, doing advanced so you're down to twenty meters. Is that when you can get the bends down there, or is it farther you have to go? A bit further. Did you ever get well, it? No. Well, that's more to do with like uh, deep sea. Yeah, but um, surfacing too quickly or something like that, you know. But you always have to watch that, do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about nitrogen levels and stuff in your body as well. But um, yeah, so for the cracking, we just kind of end up going through all the courses and end up um, me and a few of my mates doing um, dive master. So training. you're a qualified dive master then? Then yeah. And yeah. did you watch it? Thi- no, no, no. We've just done it like for. Shits and giggles. Yeah, pretty much. 
never thinking anything come of it. But uh, then, of course, when I was sick of this, you know, job. Tr- tree surgery and all that sort of carry on, um, it was a lady actually used to live with had sent me this article out of the newspaper. She posted down to me down in Christchurch. And she's like, because I obviously told her, like, I hated the job. So she sent this on to me anyway, and little note with it saying, I think, you know, this is something that you should really consider doing. And some more time, I was like, but yeah, may as well. So signed up for that, quit my job, moved to Nelson, went and spent three months doing all these courses to sort of set you up to work on a super yacht. How is that advertised? How is a job like that advertised? The super yacht jobs? Yeah. Ah, there's hundreds of um, recruitment agencies. What's the job description? It depends. Uh, initially, like, it'd be deckhand or something, so... You know, once you have a few qualifications... So your first job, you know, what was it like? What was it? Uh, I was working on a 65-metre um, charter boat. In New Zealand? No, 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 this is, this is in the Mediterranean. Oh, this is in the Mediterranean? Yeah, yeah. so I left New Zealand then. Um, well, I worked for a few years after that, back, um, tree surgery work again, yeah. and um, was put through the training for uh, working on high-voltage power lines, power line maintenance, with the company I worked for, which is pretty sweet, so I ended up doing that for a while as well. Um, yeah, then left, came over to Europe, started dock walking, which is the most horrendous thing. What's dock walking? So you go to like the hot spots for all the super yachts, which I went to Antibes in South France. Lovely place, like, but you're getting up every morning, you're printing off your CVs, you're going walking up and down the dock. Oh, so you were you were after you were just walking around to different yachts saying, Can I out, have a job? Yeah. Handing out your CV is the most demoralizing thing ever. And are people ignorant? And generally not, but they just don't need anyone and Yeah, yeah. Then you pick up a bit of day work, you get a day here and a day there. But, uh, yeah, I hated it. Hated that as well. Of course, I was a bit older, a lot older than that, the other people that were there at the time. I was 30, I think. So, anyway. And did you just love... 30. You yeah, just 30. were mad to get on a yacht? Yeah, well, I done all the courses and that. And I was like, I'm going to get a job. And you just kept doing it until you got yeah. it? Um, no, I didn't. I done it for two weeks. And I was like, oh, I need to get out of here. It's, it's, it's hard, like it's... Demoralizing. demoralizing sort of thing anyway the same woman that had sent me the Christina she she's cool like cool coolest like my Kiwi mum mm. she and her husband were up in the Loire Valley cruising around they bought a canal boat they were cruising around the Loire Valley she Desi just fucking can it and jump on a train and come up here and come cruise with us for for a month or whatever. Yeah. I was like, all right. <laughs> Jumped on the train. See you later. <laughs> and uh, met up with them. And yeah, went cruising around the Loire Valley and around France for, for a month. It was, it was awesome. That sounds like fun. That was cool. I thought it would be boring as anything, but... Great crack. Yeah, just pull in, go into a village, buy a few bottles of wine, bit of local food, crack on the boat, cruise on. That was cool, yeah. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Went back home then as I uh, ended up working. Uh, what the fuck did I do? I was just back working on farms back home then mm. after that for the summer. Um, I think it was a year later I got a job for the end of, yeah, it would have been nearly a year later. You were sending e- emails away to people. I was, but 
it's hard enough like hard enough to get your first job job yeah especially when you've no experience like um and then if you're not sort of there on location so it turned out i met um an irish lad from tipperary and he had picked up a job on a, on this boat that i ended up on hmm. at the end of the season then he he quit and you took his job and he recommended me yeah. so i was drawing hay or something like this like stacking hay in a shed for this farmer and got get a call from this captain and <laughs> uh, he says oh bobby's after giving me your your cv there he says you're probably the man for the job so i was like all right El Capian, I sure am. <laughs> no, I, initially I didn't. I said, oh, all right, right, what's the crack? Like, so he says, um, this is how much you're going to be paid. Fly you out three days' time or whatever it was. That let's, quick? Yeah, let us know by this evening, he said. I said, fucking hell. Um, which was a no-brainer. I sit and drive in the tractor and I could be cruising around. Like, <laughs> yeah, like so. Uh, said it's the lad I was working for. Um, Did he believe you? I did, yeah. I've we, heard some excuses in my uh, day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. this is a woozy. <laughs> this is taking the piss. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I took the job and on I went. And what was that, like, starting off? Or was it that, what you expected? Ha- no. The job? I didn't have a clue. Really, like, from all the training you do, but sure, it's completely different when you get on a boat. So when you got on the boat, who was your boss and what did they tell you your job was? The um, first job? Well, they had the captain, the bosun, so we were... Just maintenance in the shipyard. So it was like painting and uh, just general maintenance of the boat. It was good. It was good crack. Good Did experience. you live on the boat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In your cabin, on you go. And uh, Hard good. work? Uh, you work hard, yeah. Yeah. In the shipyard, it wasn't too bad. Like, it was sort of standard days. You'd start at eight, finish at five. Um, finish at 12 or three on a Friday and every, week, every weekend in. And was that a privately owned yacht? Yeah, yeah. How big of a... That was 65 metres. But it was nice. It was good. Good fun, like. We had a good crew. And um, why did you leave that? Did uh, that travel around much? Uh, well, was it mostly it. hovering around the docks? Yeah, well, after after our first few months on board, we left and went down to the Maldives. So that was an eye-opener as well. And I was the diver on board, so like, it was the coolest place to be going amazing diving down there like um so we spent we didn't actually spend that long down there we spent so what three, was three or four you, weeks so your job was uh, also was been on the boat and he- teaching people how to dive that were staying on it well it was just the owner was mad for diving so i was just guiding him on his dives um so i'd get the gear ready and get him on the boat and then we'd go out to the sites or whatever so i'd take him diving and i'd say you've seen mad affluence that's ridiculous. Different yeah. level. Yeah. You're probably numb to it now. Probably a little bit, yeah. Doesn't mean a whole lot to me, I suppose. And how long did you stay on that boat? A uh, year and a half. Why did you leave? Uh, I decided on, well, that was the second trip actually down to the Maldives. And we were, I don't know, we were faking bored one day. And I'd mentioned to a few lads prior that I, was thinking about doing the Mongol rally. So, if, standard kind of thing when you mention something like that. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. So, you've all these lads. Oh, let's get a team together. Fuck it, let's get two teams. I was like, great, then let's do it. So, we got down to the Maldives anyway. And, you know, it's, after being there before, it's, it's same a nice old, same place, old. but it's a bit of 
it's a bit boring. It's not a whole lot. So we were a bit bored on me one day. And Rob, one of the lads, had said he'd do the rally with me. He said, so are we going to do it or what? Yeah, why not? So we brought the laptop into the bar this day, connected to the internet, signed up, registered the team, uh, said it to the other lads, we're going to do the Mongol rally this this uh, coming year. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, uh, yeah, not sure if I could right, say no more. So myself and Rob set up the team um, and then I had to quit the job then. To do it. To do it because, you know, the busiest time of the year is... When that's happening. Yeah, sort of May, June, July, August, when yeah. we were going to go and do it. So, yeah, I just quit the job and came back home. And I said that was an experience. That was unreal, ready. yeah. Yeah. But that it was good, I suppose, because you can, you earn a fair, like you earn a fair bit and you can't really spend when you're on the boat. You're earning and your keep is there. You're just making Yeah, them. like you're kept... The only thing, if you go out for a few pints, maybe in the evenings or the weekends or whatever, that's kind of all you spend your money on. So it was a great way to save money. So we had the money there to do this. What age are you at this time? Um, I see nearly 32. And 32. Explain to someone that doesn't know what the Mongol Valley is. Well, it's basically you go buy a cheap car. Uh, try kit it out as best you can and drive to Mongolia <laughs> pretty much it really sounds horrific <laughs> 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 when you say cheap car that means shit car uh, pretty much yeah it has to be um, supposed to be under one litre oh, so like it has to be proper shit so I bought a little Yaris for 700 euros and put a roof rack on it put a sump guard on it put a guard on the petrol tank because they're horrific roads. Like oh, shite. Some of them are not roads at all. No. Well, in Mongolia, it's just desert. You're just driving through the desert. But that's actually not too bad. You get to Kazakhstan or somewhere like that, and the roads are just horrendous. It's like... Give us a quick rundown of the road. Just... Uh, well, I drove over to Southampton, picked Rob up, pretended to do a bit of work to the car. Not really. Stuck a few stickers on it. Uh, I went up to London. For a few days, came back. Rob had done absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Rob. Yeah. And Rob's an engineer, so like he was going to do all sorts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said, what you do, Rob? Oh, mates came around, went on the lash. All right, good man. Just <laughs> 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 get stickers on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like even down to the last minute, because we were so shy at organising it. We were terrible. Um, we really didn't know what way we were kind of going to go. We sort of who sets the route? Nobody. Just go whichever way you want. There's the the starting point was this abandoned um military base outside of um Prague. It was like something out of Mad Max. It was mental. Really? And is yeah. everyone there? Yeah. Yeah, like three hundred and sixty cars rock up and it's just massive party. I'd be fucked by the time I get there. <laughs> so I'll we, so we, yeah, we, I picked him up anyway, and we drove over. But like the day that we were due to catch the ferry across to France, Rob hadn't even got his Russian visa back yet. Hadn't got his passport back from the Russian um, embassy. So it was looking like I was going to have to drive across myself, and he was going to fly to Prague and meet me there once he got his. But on the very last day, we got a call. 
God. Got your um, passport back. So then I had to drive up to London with into the middle of London, which was horrendous in yeah. itself, like for the first day out. Um, and it was the day Donald Trump was arriving or something. So, oh, so massive protest. Oh, and you're God. driving a pile of shite. Oh, absolute heap of shite. Like. And uh, so he got up, got his passport down to Dover on the ferry, flat out then to, to Prague. Uh, got to this military base place, got on the, on the lash, partied all night, dying the next day. <laughs> and did you all have to go the next day? Yeah, everybody launched off then and just go whichever, whichever way. So we went across Europe. Does, um, do, does everyone break up? And Yeah, like you have people that go in groups and try to stay together. But like we were setting our own pace, so we'd meet people and then we'd, like we wouldn't be waiting around for anyone. We're just getting on with it. Where'd you stay? Uh, we generally stayed in hotels and we camped a few times. We had all the gear for camping, but after sitting in a car for 12, 13 hours a day, last thing you want to do is pitch a tent and was there a sweaty mess in the tent. Was there a few moments during that you went, oh, fuck this shit, like, many, why many, did I do that? Many moments. <laughs> you pushed on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, was it scary? Sometimes, yeah. Uh, we... Got sort of we got held up in Yarsola, Mongolia at one time. We it was Rob's dream to go camping in the in the Mongolian desert or whatever. Can't think of and worse. Oh well. Camping in Mongolia. Honest to God. So the place we picked anyway was close to this herder's settlement. And it seemed lovely. Pitched the tents, uh, cooked a bit of dinner, sitting around, just having a few beers. Few of the local kids came, gave them some food. Next thing, these lads came over, um, looking for booze. So we gave them a bottle of shite wine. They drank that, which seemed to just aggravate them. Then they oh. wanted more. They wanted to see what was in our cards. No way. In the car. That wouldn't be cool. And it was only myself and Rob there. And they got really, really aggro. Uh, and uh, they started on Rob. Fighting? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And one of the lads sort of not so aggro anyway he 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 stopped it the lads jumped on the motorbikes and they pissed off they went to the desert and we're we're down and did you sleep there that night then after well, that well we did we tried that was uh, brave brave <laughs> no, man it was stupid um yes yeah, so the aid went off did you say fuck you rob and your dreams of camping in mongolia <laughs> the next day i fucking did <laughs> because um just as it says, as it was getting dark, we had went in, we're in our tents, we're down for the night. And I went out, I think, I don't know, I was out for a piss or something. And I could see these lights coming back along. We're probably about 250 meters from the road, down in the desert, like. And I could see the lights coming back. And I was like, fuck, all these motorbikes, and there's nobody out there. And I was like, Rob, I think these bastards are coming back again. So they waited till it got dark and fucking right, you know. Did it? Yeah. The bikes came down off the road. There's a bit of a ramp down. And then the lights went off. I was like, fuck. So we could only hear them. So Rob got out anyway. I was like, get the tents quick. And fucking just everything into the car. So we could hear the bikes getting closer. I, I jumped into the car, started the car. And we had all these roof lights and all that. So put on all the lights. And I just drove around the tents till I could see them. But today we just... Circling. Yeah, circle around on the motorbikes. We were shitting ourselves. 
and Rob, I was in the car, so like I didn't feel too bad. Rob is standing outside trying to pull the tents down and get all her stuff together, and he's there standing with a, a lump hammer, ready to batter these lads, <laughs> and they kept they kept coming up at him with the bikes, and then I drive at them with the car, like trying to oh jeez, it was. What would they have done, T? Say they were going to bait to show you how it was. And Robbie. Rob us. Yeah. And she was in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knew where we were. She could have killed us and just buried us in the desert, you know, with a fucking clue. Like five or six of them. And... Did that not put you off the rest of the journey? Put me off camping anyway. <laughs> so we managed to get everything into the car. Rob jumped in and then we... I Bolt battered me. on. And it had a feed of air as well, like, so... Um, I was half cut. <laughs> trying and trying to drive, find because there's no roads. There's no roads. I put well, there was a road two hundred fifty meters away, um, and there's only like a small ramp, dirt ramp that goes up onto this road. So you had to find the ramp in oh, the dark. Yeah, I driving like a lunatic, and these lads coming up beside us on the bikes, battering the car, and my swerving at them and stuff. It's uh, like something of a James Bond film. Oh, was ridiculous. Without a secret agent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're in the Toyota Yaris. <laughs> <laughs> Not an Austin Martin. <laughs> no. But uh, thank, thankfully, anyway, I found the, the ramp up. But one of the lads had gone on ahead and he parked his bike across the top of the ramp. And he was standing beside the bike and he had some stones in his hands. So I swerved at him. He jumped out of the way, fucked the stones ass, pelted him off the car. Just took off then. And they followed us for a good old while. Um, so we just drove as hard as we could. I t- drove most of the night. Um, pulled up, I don't know, probably two hours later. Because the, the road, they'd be driving along on the road. And then I'd just stop. Be not, and you'd be just back in the desert again. But soon it's the road, the tired was road. Was that near the, t- the end of the journey? Yeah, yeah. Um, so how long did car, you do that it. after that? When did the end of that? Uh, it was only probably another. Took us like six days to drive to Mongolia. And then the finish line was actually up in Russia in um place called Ulanude. Anyone waiting for you? That was a big Finnish party there. Like. And yeah. what does everyone do now? Then? Drive it home? No, most people leave their cars there. Do you drive like, it home? Yeah. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> that, was, oh, that was horrendous as well. It was great, like, it was a great challenge, but, but see, the thing is, you're driving, it's like, it took us 72 days, it was 72 days there and back. It's like, you're driving all this, and you're, this mad adventure, like, and, I mean, so you've only really one goal, is to get to the finish, which a lot of people never make it. You know, the cars fuck out, they fuck out, all sorts. Um, but... Then you get, like, you get to the end and it's, it's like, oh, fuck. Anticlimax. Oh, completely. Like, what now? What do we do now? Um, And I had, I, I told Rob, actually, I was like, ah, I'll just fly back as well, Rob. Because he didn't want me to drive back by myself. Yeah. And, like, the last day or so, he booked his flights now back to the UK. Uh, I said, ah, fuck it, I'll just drive. So he jumped, he got up, jumped on the plane. He left. Next thing I'm just in the middle of nowhere in Russia by myself with 10,500 kilometers ahead of me to drive back to Ireland. Oh my God. And only a certain amount of days left on the visa to actually make it out of Russia. So you had to go like a whore? Yeah, yeah. It was about 6,500 kilometers just in Russia alone. And I was doing, 
think the most I'd done that day was like 1,400 kilometers. And like the roads, they were okay, but busy and not great there. And I remember one day I drove through two time zones. I was just like 16 hours or something like that. And you got home? Managed to make it, yeah, thank God. Did you feel like you'd accomplished more by coming home? Like when you got home, you must have meant, wow, I fucking didn't think I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it's very different when you're doing something like that by yourself in, you know, a country, and especially out in uh, central Russia. People do not speak any English. Not a scrap. Was so it the best thing you ever did? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Because of the struggle it was? Yeah. I think mentally at the end of it, though, is a bit, a bit fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite right. So after, do you still have the car? Yeah, yeah. Still have it at home. Parked at home? Yeah. Sentimental value? Yeah. Rob hasn't tried to claim it? No, he's not interested. Fuck you, Rob. Yeah. Not your car now anymore. <laughs> you Rob. dumped it. In, you dumped it in Russia. Yeah, Rob, Rob never wanted it. But, That's uh, right. Yeah, no, some achievement actually driving back home as well. But even getting there, like, it's some, some trip, like, be great to be able to do it in a, a decent four by four. Yeah, you know, if you like if you done it nice in a, in something, something cool, yeah, it'd be a pleasure. Yeah, and you see a lot of people, um, a lot of Germans actually we found with Unimogs kitted out and stuff like that, and the whole family be just crew. There's some weapons, unreal, and we we're just there in our shitty little Yaris and no air condition, nothing in it. And I remember driving through. Did it break down? Never. Great little car. Unreal. Never even got a flat wheel. Really? Yeah. Nothing. Had you different wheels on it? Had you raised or <laughs> off-road tyres? Just cheap, normal tyres, everything. Same. Everything. As I bought it. Yeah, it was unreal. But, um, yeah, never missed a beat. Sarah got serviced, I think, in uh, Uzbekistan or some bloody place. And, <laughs> and that was it. Once. Then drove to show you over. So what did you do when you came home from your rally? Did it cost much to do that rally? Uh, yeah, because we, we didn't really scrimp. Like We decided we'd stay. I mean, it's cheap enough to stay in hotels. So we, stay, we stayed in hotels by the time you'd get your visas and all. I'd say probably over 10 grand, 10 and a half grand each, I'd say. Like 72 days. It's, uh, that's petrol and everything mm. into account. And then I still have the car at the end of it all. So. Would you do it again? Uh. I would. I'd take my time and I'd do, do it. Do it yourself. Yeah. I'd do it in something better. You know, you'd want we were we got to a point where I think initially we were trying to see lots and do lots and all this and then it got to a point where like just want to get over and done with. Yeah, let's just get to the end. Especially after that episode in If you'd done it again though, you'd enjoy it more. I think so, yeah. Well you you didn't know what to expect, like we didn't have a clue. We didn't even have a route planned until we met these Dutch lads at the starting party. No, we met them in Romania. And I got chatting to them and we're like, oh, so how are you lads going? And it was similar to what we, basically we were, we, we need, knew we needed to go east. And we decided we'd drive through, we drive through Turkey, Georgia, Azerbaijan, and then we'd get the ferry across the Caspian Sea and drive through Turkmenistan into 
Not the way you're just saying countries. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I'm getting stressed out even thinking about that. <laughs> if I don't have an exact designation or know where I'm oh, going, I'd be clue. stressed we, out. Honestly, no clue. Where yeah. are we going? Have Turkey. Yeah, honestly, that was it. Yeah, Turkey, that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, we met these lads anyway. These were so organized, unreal. So they had this big spreadsheet done out. The uh, distance, the towns are going to be stopping in. Uh, the whole route, like, like, Jesus. So anyway, I said to your man, any chance you could email that to me? <laughs> <laughs> did he? <laughs> yeah, he did, thank God. So give us, like, he gave us a bit of direction where we kind of should be heading for. Worked out with three anyway. It was a fair old life lesson, I'd say. Oh, unreal. You're definitely a, uh, fuck it, we'll do it and see kind of oh, guy. Oh, 100%, yeah. Not too much thought put into it, like, cause la- everything was kind of last minute. So when you came home, you were finished your little trip. You were after leaving your job. Yeah. What did you do then? Unemployed. <laughs> Ten uh, grand spent. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I was coming around at home. Uh, I must be. I was just doing a bit odd jobs here and there, and it was coming to winter. I don't really like the cold, so I must have been. I was looking. I was looking for work, and I seen a job advertised back in New Zealand again. Uh, and it was working on a potato farm. <laughs> so I thought, ah, fuck it. I'll, uh, I'll apply for this. Nothing about potatoes, of course. But, uh, oh, it tastes like, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it was food. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I um, applied for this job. Do you should want, anyway. Mess me back straight away. She's like, oh, can I call you tonight? Uh, do an interview. What? what? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Uh, three o'clock in the morning, get this call. She woke up, half asleep. Start asking me all these questions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're familiar with the whole potato planting procedure and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah, fucking well done with Stick that. him in the ground, a bit of water, <laughs> we're grand. Yeah. So three days later, anyway, she'd uh, booked me a flight and I was off to New Zealand to go plant potatoes for for the season. That was an experience as well. Just for one season? Yeah, yeah, done for three months. Which I work in good hours, like seven days a week. Um, middle of nowhere. I didn't have a fucking clue, though. To get me there and get me up in this. I didn't even, um, there's all these Fent tractors. I'd never even driven a Fent tractor. In blue. They're fair complicated inside, oh, aren't they? Unreal. They're unbelievable. Yeah. And then you stick a potato planter in the back of it and you stick <laughs> in the front of it. And there's buttons and screens galore. And they, they'd use the map systems. And yeah, yeah, they? yeah. Take well, a long to get used to it. Nah, it's handy enough, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you're you're an intelligent bio too. You're not stupid. Ah, uh, sure, don't know. <laughs> and but that was good crack. Like it was a good experience as well. So when it set me up? Did you head back to a boat? When did the boat start calling you back? Um, that was it was after that. Actually, I was after the rally. I I tell you, I was not wasn't in the best best headspace like I don't know whether it was I just didn't know what to do or I don't know what it was I was just sort of fucking half depressed like couldn't find something to no no I was going out with this girl and that sort of went arseways and um, all the ingredients were there yeah yeah and I suppose and doing like I was out I was the only one doing the plant and the, the first time I, that was the second time I'd done it the first time I'd done it was three of us or four was there planting and it was it was good crack. Mm. But then it was just me. One planter. 
out in the middle of nowhere and I'd see no one from one end of the day to the other and I was going half cracked um, and I'll tell and you you're, you're away from home and family yeah 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 and I mean so I've seen this girl and she was in the Caribbean I was in I was just and I was supposed to get she was uh, organised a job on her boat that fell through then I'm fucking there so New Zealand planting potatoes just on my own you know 16 hours a day sitting in a tractor not healthy me, me and my thoughts yeah <laughs> um yeah so that yeah wasn't 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 doing me any good um and eventually actually i i booked an appointment with this uh therapist went once and she said to me she says i think you know what you need to do like because she asked me a few questions and she said asked me about the job i said no i'm over it and you know it's it's too much for the fucking mind to take mm. especially if you're not in a good headspace anyway um so basically she just turned around and said well i'm not going to be about the bush here you need to quit the job you say you want to finish off your scuba instructor training do that go get a job on a boat or whoever the fuck you want to do uh ditch the girlfriend and on you go. I was like, fuck, all right. <laughs> um, so talk about that for a day or two. Done exactly what she said. Sitting in the tractor one day. It drives itself. Mm. I start looking for cor- or scuba training uh, courses that are coming up. And there was one that was recommended to me in Thailand. So I thought, fuck it. I'll do it. So signed up. There and then. There and then. Rang the crowd I was working for. I have to leave. I'm like, when? Three days' time. Uh, oh, all right. That was it. On a plane. Thailand. Thailand. On your own. On my own. Spend a month there. Well, just making that decision. Yeah. Did that make your head oh, 100%, feel better? Yeah. And then I was just immersed in in, in the course, which is amazing. Just the whole experience of it, the scuba instructor training. Like it was class, met some cool people. And you had something to focus on that was worthwhile to you. Yeah, complete focus, like, and put a lot of effort into it, in fairness. Did you learn to swim? I had to learn to swim, <laughs> actually, before I became a, before I became a dive I master. can imagine on the course, you know, the details, the, you know, standard yeah. training. Yeah. At least know how to swim. <laughs> I, know, I had to learn to swim before becoming becoming a dive master. Oh, yeah. You have to be able to swim for that. And this a bit closer to you. And I was 20... Uh, 21 at the time. Jesus, I tell you, oh, it's such an effort. I was uh, at the pool every day and I was getting nowhere. I was pure useless. I was just doing it all wrong and I got a lesson off this lady. Didn't help. <laughs> like, I'd be trying to swim along and I'd just getting lower and lower in the water and I'd try to take a breath in and just sucking in water. And it was weeks went by. I was like, fuck, it's not going to happen. Just, just not, nothing. And it was the people that managed the pool I was going to. I think they just felt sorry for me. <laughs> Your man came in, the Scottish lad came down. Says, one lesson with my wife, guaranteed she'll have you swimming. Nothing to lose. Went and done it. Changed everything I was doing. Uh, one lesson. Job done. Really? Yeah. It's like deadly. What was the main thing that you were doing wrong? Because no body fat and... 
as I was exhaling when I was swimming along. You're sinking. I was sinking in the water. And then when I was trying to take a breath in, obviously I was under fucking water, so I couldn't do anything. <laughs> Choking, uh, yeah. drowning like. So she just had me hold my breath. So fat people slow? Mm. Better than skinny people, anyway. Really? Apparently so. <laughs> I fucking never knew that. <laughs> yeah. I don't float. Yeah. You just think. Um, if I hold my breath and like take shallow breaths with as much air in my lungs as I can, I'll float. But like on my back, but I'm I'm well able to swim anyway, like so. Yeah. But if I want to float there, I'll have to like you have to spread myself out as big as I can be and take in a massive breath and even then my legs start to go down. Yeah, well, like. yeah, yeah. Yes. So that's the crash. Well, I'm kind of fat, and I now you're I, sorted. So. I, I think <laughs> I always like tell everyone to be big fucking Mickey pulling me down. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> so you qualified as an instructor then? Yeah. How long yeah. did that course take? A month. A month. And yeah. you're in Thailand. In Thailand, there, yeah, doing that. Um, Were you the only Irish person on the course? I was. Yeah, it's good mix. Like people from all over the world. Good crack. Um. Yeah, so, and like even before I'd finished the course, I had been offered a job in a boat really? as a dive instructor. Yeah, I didn't take it, but you know, it was it was get, a get, after job. People needed them on the boat. Yeah, well, and people had told me, "Oh God, why are you doing that for? You know, there's not that much work out there for dive instructors, and why would you bother spending that much money on it for? And you're not going to." You know, you're not going to earn a whole lot more, which turned out to be a load of bollocks. There's was it an expensive course? Not terribly. Um, it's a accommodation that probably cost me three and a half grand or something like that. Well yeah. worth it, like. Just yeah. even the, the personal development you gain from doing the course was class. Um, couldn't put a price on it. It was great. Like, you have to do all this public speaking and all this. And, um, it was actually pretty cool. Um, and then, of course... If you're being offered a job before you even finished, then that's it's, it's worked. A, it's a good boost, like yeah. So, so um, where did you go after that? I went and got a job on uh, on this Russian boat, which I didn't like. Where? What country? Uh, Based from. Started off in France. I went to Turkey. Um, and then I got offered a job on another boat when I was on there, so ditched that. Went to this new build. It's still in the shipyard. Being built. So you had a job on a boat that wasn't finished yet? Yeah. How does that work? Well, they're still fitting it out. So you just go and you're just helping out in the yard, getting stuff ready oh. for it to be launched. Were you there when it launched? Yeah. Oh, no, no. It had been officially launched prior to that. But then the handover to the owners happened like when we were on board. So is it, is it like buying a car? Is that a private person goes in and says, yeah. oh, I want this boat. Yeah. I want it to look like this. Pretty much. And that's for their private use. Yeah. And you're just there to facilitate them. So when they buy a boat, they're buying the whole package. Pretty much. All the people that run it, everything. Yeah, well, usually you get a management company and then they organize the crew, um, staff it up for them and on you go. And is the staff there all the time in case they want to be on it? Yeah, generally. How many staff? 30 at any one point on this particular boat. All year? It's over 100 metres. So. 24 hours a day? Yeah. Even if they're not there? Yeah. And how how much roughly would that boat have cost? Uh, I, somewhere in the region of 200 million. 
Yeah. It's cool. It's cool, isn't it? It's crazy. <laughs> and did you find all that mad or was it just normal? It becomes normal after a while. Initially, like, you're, it's unfathomable. And there's probably a lot of work to keep in a boat just tipping it's over. It's never ending. Never ending. Just constantly. Because it has to be has to be 100% like and clean and yeah everything has to be just perfect and do you have to drive it around or is it all docked not drive it around what do you call it sailing it yeah just to get the cobwebs out of it well Mincy wouldn't just do it just for the crack because it costs too much but um and we just take it wherever they want to go then they'll meet you there and do the owners can you get into a yacht and the owner say right uh, I want to go to the America. Can yeah. you go wherever they want in it? Of course you can. So there's not boats made for certain seas? Uh, it depends on the size, I suppose. The bigger, the better? <laughs> of course. <laughs> really? That, that's the case with boats, is it? It seems to be. And it's just go show how much money you have, I suppose. It's a good way of showing off. It's so interesting. Because like, it's, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah, of course. Like, it's just a big toy. You know, I, I guess it's a way of dodging tax or something, I suppose. I don't know. Um, so how long did you stay on that boat? Uh, two, two and a half years now. Still there. Well, that's the boat that you're on now. Yeah. And it is, like, tell everyone just the rough stats of it. Because uh, you've sent me, it's <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, uh, that's pretty big, all right. Uh, it's, over, it's over 100 metres. Uh, how many decks have I got? Six? Six de- decks? Uh three tenders all over 10 meters that's pretty big like so even the tenders alone would be half a million there's another tender actually follows around that's bigger again tenders a uh, small boat that uh, carries around yeah which is big enough for us to live on <laughs> uh as eight jet no nine jet skis uh hover pack what else they got old scuba uh, and setup. that's for the person that owns it to play with at their will and them and the friends. Yeah. And high rolling friends. You'd meet an awful lot of famous people. We won't give names. No, no, no names. But yeah. Yeah, we do. We come across them. And you have to be real discreet. That's part of the job. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And facilitate them any way possible. Yeah. yeah. And Within reason, of course. Yeah. And do you get to play with all the stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the crew's job to, to take the guests out. So to when... Initially, I was um, hired as a dive instructor, so they decide, well, I want to go diving, right? Get everything ready, tender, take them wherever you want to go. Obviously, within their ability of diving. But, like, we've done some really cool dives. Um, Mexico is probably the best for that, and Tahiti. So you, you when you work... Say you're on, you're not working right now. Uh-huh. So you're home, you're on a break. Yeah. So how long are you on a break for? Uh, generally three months. And then you'll fly back? Work for three months. And three months on? Yeah. And what's a typical day for you? For me now? Um, no, when you're on the boat. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, up at seven, start work. This is assuming there's guests on board. Yeah. Um have a head of department meeting, see where we're going to go for the day, what the guests want to do, um, and, you know, just whatever needs organising for them. 
So everything has to be on point. on point, you know, whether it's even just booking a restaurant or they want to go for a hike. Could be any most simple thing, but like you have to, it just has to be, everything's ready. As soon as they're ready, we're ready to go. Uh, generally, you'd work 16 hours a day. I'm involved now to to find the purser on the boat, so I'm all the finances. So the guests want something. You have to purchase. I have to organize it or purchase it. Or it's the maddest thing you've had to purchase, legally. <laughs> legally. <laughs> <laughs> I know the fucking crack. Don't have to ask me. <laughs> if I was on the boat, you'd have to do some shady deals. Let me tell you. <laughs> now that's just me. I don't know. Um, with the current. Uh, lot not not massive like not major. Uh, they're fairly, fairly normal people. Like, where's the farthest you've ever sailed on the boat? Across to French Polynesia. How long did that take? Fifteen days, I think. Yeah, it's about ten, uh, ten, eleven days to get across the Atlantic and through the. Panama Canal. So that's usually a day. Yeah, and then another five days probably across the... Any scary moments? Bad weather? Yeah, the very first time actually went across the Atlantic in this particular boat, coming out of the Straits of Gibraltar. The weather was absolutely horrendous. And there was bits fall off the boat and everything. <laughs> really? Oh, Jesus, it was unreal. What did you lose? Uh, just bits falling off the, the decade and just shit breaking. And everybody was sick. The majority of people were sick. I don't think any yacht ever wants to go to the Atlantic. No. Well, after that, we got we sailed south then, and we headed down sort of underneath the Azores. And the rest of the trip was just absolutely amazing. But yeah. Have you been everywhere? Shook people up. Not really. Could it's that what? boat fl- go up to the Arctic? It could. Like, it's not ice class, right? And so you wouldn't be able to penetrate the ice shelf and like that but how far have you went up that way mm. not very far it's generally people on those boats don't particularly like the cold very much <laughs> the the bridge and everything on that looks awesome. oh it's unreal yeah it's like spaceship isn't it yeah so cool. everything's like just touch screen and yeah this is pretty cool um what would you say to people to think that earth is flat Clearly not. Yeah, it's clearly not. <laughs> but like, when, when you, if if the earth was flat, your navigation equipment wouldn't work, obviously. Would no. So it's clearly not flat. No. So we can put that to bed in episode twelve. <laughs> 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 that the earth is not flat. Well, but how could uh, how could we how could we organize around the world trip like mm, exactly? Um, which we which we have done at the moment. They say that you're going around yeah, in a circle. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. No. I've listened to episodes of stuff and I've been listening to them now and I'm, and I'm not I'm not a professional in any way but I'm there that doesn't make sense have you never like, and I suppose when we're at sea like we we can't see inde- indefinitely like but mm. there's a horizon there and then over the horizon there's have you had any scary moments like with pirates that are that real yeah um, like is there places you can't go oh the pirates well, are there down through um the Suez Canal and out the other side the Gulf of Aden that's kind of pirate hotspot down to the Red Sea 
So would you have people on board to help yeah, you? Yeah, yes, we take on... Um, <gasps> a few lads with guns. Yeah, take on a few SAS lads. What's that mean? Huh? Private soldiers? Yeah. Really? Yeah, so we'd pick them up in Egypt, and then they'd jump off down in um, the Maldives. So we'd They'd be getting mental money, I bet you. I'd imagine so, yeah. But like, yeah, so they're doing watches, 24-hour watches. And they've, it's cool, like, they've the... All the night vision stuff and all, and we'd have to be on watch with them. It's good crack. Do you have night vision goggles? Yeah. Yeah. And there's actually a night vision camera on the current boat. There's a night vision camera. It's pretty cool. Um, and. Well, honestly, God, what are my chances of ever getting to see this ball in real life? I'm sure you could go to the shipyard and. You can't, you, you're not going to snake me on. <laughs> no, not when the owner's on anyway. <laughs> but you can come visit. <laughs> you can come visit anytime. And um, it's like. They're fairly, fairly easy going. Like a lot of the crew. Would you fam- know the owner personally? Yeah, we just have to deal with them every day. Would he be like yours is employees? Obviously, we yeah. know you by name and. Ah, yeah, yeah. Has he? Not a very personal people. Is that his only yacht? Uh yeah, yeah. Has he a helicopter? No, he's not a fan of helicopters. There's a helipad on it. Imagine on the bow. It's a James Bond villain craft. Yeah, but he's not a fan. Um, it's a nice big private jet, all right. So he can fly knees for a few months. Um, have you ever had a run in with a shark when you were scuba diving? Scuba diving. Yeah, but intentionally. <laughs> you, you you swam towards him. Yeah, well, I went to dive with sharks. That's like I in, don't know. Uh, in French Polynesia, we had some hammerheads and stuff. It was really cool. Not be afraid of them. No, no. I think if you do show fear, maybe they sense it. They're very. Astute, but actually went for a night dive in a place called Fakarava. Nope, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big nope for uh, me. Can you see anything at night? Yeah, yeah. Well, we have lights, but like hundreds of sharks. I should show you a video actually. And uh, um, we were videoing it and we're just cruising along, and the sharks are hunting. And of course, the other fish are startled by our torches, which is a bit mean, I suppose. So um, and in the sharks, are they startled by the torches? No, no, they're kind of they're following us, using our torches to, to um, find the fish. To find the fish, really? Yeah, and then when are they really clever? What, yeah, uh, they actually seem like a bit useless hunters because it's all at, at night time. I suppose that's all by senses. But uh, as soon as they sense a fish, then the terror. Oh, it's horrendous! Like it's mental. And you're not a bit scared. At one point, I'll have to admit, I was a little bit because they had flushed this fish out of the reef and it was swimming up towards us and the the little fish was trying to take cover in amongst, yeah. Oh my God. And the sharks were chasing it. Uh, and you were so, like, so oh, these sharks in just, the potato field. Uh, yeah. So the sharks are like, if you can see in the video, like they're just battering into us. Trying to get this fish, I'm sure they could take a lump out. They could easily take a lump out, yeah. Yes, that was a bit. (gasps) Have you swam with dolphins? Yeah. What are they like? They're pretty cool. Wild ones. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, orcas. No. Have you seen many whales? Uh, a few. Yeah, seen a few blue whales actually. That must be. I. That's on my bucket list. That was cool. Blue whale. In uh, the Gulf of California down in Mexico. That was class, actually. There's a lot of whales down there. And 
thousands of dolphins. If like for marine life, that's the holy grail. That is the holy grail. I mean, uh, something with whale sharks. That was really cool. In the Philippines, that was class actually. You that's, like, that's an amazing experience. When I be chatting to you on Instagram, I I I'm always amazed at how you don't realize how mad your life is. It sure doesn't seem as well as if you're living it, does it? I don't know. And yeah. it's all because of that. Fuck it, we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And do yeah, you someone someone had messaged me like, oh, do you want me to come do this? Like, yeah, why not? Let's go to it. It's cool. It's life's for living. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely is. Yeah. And do you ever get to drive the ball? Uh, yeah, well, just on helm, so just doing manual steering. But that's not as crack out to be either. We were coming in, it was really stormy one night. I can't even remember the island, somewhere in the Mediterranean. And it was, the weather was t- horrendous. And so the captain's there, he'd call out the, like, whatever heading he wants you to go on. So he'd call the heading and then you have to keep it to that, or he might say. What does that mean? So the captain is telling you where you go. Yeah. And you steer it. Yeah. And who's controlling the power? Uh, the captain will be controlling the power. You just steer? Yeah. So he'll say, like, so you're coming into port or something like that, he might say, um, five degrees starboard or 10 degrees starboard or hard starboard, whatever. And you just steer to that course then and just call it back to him. Or he might say, steer 178. Is he degrees. judging all that from a GPS thing? Yeah, they have big, big charts. Um, Do they steer quick? Or they uh, no, that one does, yeah. yeah. Is it fast? I don't know, just 20 knots or 22 knots or something. It's just pretty fast for the size of it. But you're like you're burning. I don't know how many fucking litres of diesel at that rate. <laughs> <laughs> it's mad. Yeah. Do you love your job? Uh... It's a good job. Yeah. Do you, I don't know if I love it anymore. Do you find it harder? I don't get as much excitement out of it, I don't think. Yeah, do you find it harder to to leave home now and go to it? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe as I'm getting older and a bit more settled. What age do you know? <laughs> 36. 36, you're still only young. Yeah, uh, surely a baby. Only a baby. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. Um, do you like being on your own? I do, yeah. I spend a lot of time by myself, I suppose. I've travelled a lot by myself as well, so. Um, I don't know if it's good for you or not, though. Uh, travelling has to be good for you. I know the travelling is, yeah, but I don't know, maybe too much time by yourself. I don't know, maybe it's not. Yeah, I think it's uh, find a happy medium, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But if someone told you back when you left school, junior cert, that you'd be doing what you were doing now. <laughs> no hope. I'm sure I'd... When they leave home first when they're 17. Before that, I was dug and shit scared. Do I'd your friends never, think you're mad? Uh, probably. <laughs> Definitely when I told them I was doing, going to do the Mongol rally, they said. And uh, so to do, they advise you to go and make a will and everything, you see, before. <laughs> before you. <laughs> everything about that Mongol rally. I've never <laughs> done it. I know. I've. Remember I said to you, I think I'd like to do something like that. I'm totally out now. <laughs> the whole will thing, I got no, not worth it. So yeah, a few days before I left, I had to, had to write up this will, uh, just in case. like. Cause, any brothers? Uh, yep. Four. Four brothers? Yeah. You the oldest? No. Youngest? Uh, kind of middle. Two younger and two older. No sisters? Two sisters. Two sisters. Yeah. Big family? 
Yeah, seven of us. Any of them mad like you? I think they're all mad, but... <laughs> they're not all working away, doing... No. No, they're just working away, just doing standard enough jobs, I suppose. When, if you were to come home and do a job, would you not, you're going to find it very hard to find something that tickles that thing or are you getting yeah. sick of that exciting thing? I know, just you still need excitement it. in your life, don't you? You need and challenge yourself with it. Uh, you know, you always need to. At least what's, I think so. What's your next challenge? Don't know. Still work it out. <laughs> do you think about what you're going to do next? Well, when I started on this last boat, my thing was save enough money, buy a house. Um, you know, just cash, cash money sort of job. But sure, I get to whatever my goal was. And then you look at the price of bloody houses and keeps going up, up, up. Yeah, so it's you're just you want to buy your house outright. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? No mortgage. It's a, it's, it's a great way to be if you can do it. But like, oh, nothing fancy. Mm. Would you like to live in where? Where would you like? To Actually, live? I could live anywhere. You wouldn't mind where you live, would you? No, not particularly. I'd I'd like to be not in not a town sort of person. So I I think I prefer to be out in the country somewhere. Have you ever went to Egypt? Egypt? No, only true on the boat. Never went in? No. no just through the Suez Canal. Where's your favourite country you've ever visited? Uh, Nepal, I'd say. What do you like about that? Uh, the people there are just amazing and the landscape is absolutely breathtaking. Uh, we've done a 22-day trek up into the Himalayas there. Ugh. On your own? Uh Nah, girlfriend at the time. She's what's, a, what's a 22-day trek? Well, we started off Kathmandu. We flew up to Lukla. Um, and then Lukla is apparently one of the... Maybe the highest airport. One of the highest. Definitely the most dangerous airport in the world to fly into. You should look it up. It's pretty cool. Is that the one... Oh, I think I heard about that. There's land on a cliff, like. Pretty much, yeah. And the air pressure is real low, so it's hard for the airplanes to land. Yeah. And the, 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 the runway's on a... On a serious slope, like, so you're, you're landing, you're going uphill, and you're wedged to the thing. And if they don't stop it quick enough, there's just like a cliff at the air, a big wall at the end of it. So <laughs> you oh just end up in the wall. And then when you're taking off, they sit at the top of the runway on the flat bit and just rev the bollocks out of it. With the brakes on, then just launch it down the runway. And then I think at the end is like, I don't know, like a 2,000 foot drop or something like that. So if you don't get it right, you're you're not going to live. <laughs> Would you like to climb a mountain or something? Well, I we done a few of the high passes there. That was pretty cool. Up to like five thousand seven hundred meters, something like that. Oh, that's a nice bit. Yeah, well, you know about it when you're there. Do you get sick, headache. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I felt sick. Um, only for a short time, like, but yeah, and completely breathless, like, just when you realise, Jesus, you want to be quite fit to be doing that. What's the food like there? Pretty basic. Not much meat. Lentils and rice. Bit spicy. Dal, people, da, dalba is what they eat the whole time. They're really, really tough people, aren't they? Unreal, but so nice. I watched their, their a, is great. a Netflix documentary about that guy from Nepal that climbed all the peaks. 14, 14 peaks. peaks, yeah. That's, That's awesome. Amazing. Unreal. That was, that was crazy. Yeah. Don't think, can't picture myself never doing that. No. 
It's oh. enough of an achievement, I think, just to get to base camp. He's a tough guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was amazing, actually. We watched that twice. Did you? <laughs> yeah. No, he was uh, an amazing guy. I actually, I heard him on Joe Rogan, and he was saying that if anyone else had done that, it'd get more coverage. And I think he was, th- it, it, it is the case. Yeah. Because it is kind of... Because ag- he's, he's Nepalese. And yeah. He's a sharp, I suppose. Yeah. Because it, I watched it, and I was, I was it, that is just so crazy. Yeah. It's uh, so uh, Before I had heard that that was real, I wouldn't have believed it was real. Yeah. Crazy. But yeah, he's some drive like that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Drive is mad. Yeah, if he could ever make it there, it's really, really cool country. I don't ever see myself making it there, I'll be honest with you. Right? Yeah. The airport story has me turned off of that. I try to avoid that as much as possible at this stage. <laughs> I have too fair, much to lose. Aye, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Um. Go to Kyrgyzstan or somewhere instead. That's a bit easier to get to, is it? I think so. But you could drive there. That's true. So <laughs> what, what do you what do you do when you're home on your holidays? Uh, or is it holidays? You just work away and do stuff. I try, yeah, I try to keep busy. I I'll work away, do a few tree surgery jobs and then back. And I'm always doing always doing something like I try to get a few trips in then as well. I'll I don't know, go somewhere in Europe maybe for a week or so and travel around Ireland a bit. Try to get a few festivals or something in. Especially during the summer. Are you in a relationship now? No. All the travelling? Yeah, I don't think it lends itself very well to it. And I suppose, like, you come back, you're here for three months, you might meet someone, and you're kind of just getting to know them, and then you're like, ah, I can go back to work, see you in in three months. Do they be raging with you? uh, Like, every time you come home, is there another girl going, that prick left again? Bollocks. Fucking raging now. He had money to buy his own house and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I suppose, and then when I do come home, like, I'm here for, and as much as I like being here, I like to get away too, so I could be, I could just decide tomorrow I'm uh, going to fucking France or Italy or Sweden or whatever and just, tip, you, and just tip on for a week. Like. You have yourself in a position where you're a, you're a well-rounded man with means that likes to keep busy yeah so you can kind of do what you want and you have yeah. no no real ties no but is that it's hard as well like does it are you always thinking what next what next or yeah. do you ever go oh maybe i should settle down or maybe i the, shouldn't the thought does cross my mind yes yeah. has done recent times anyway it's like geez maybe i should just Calm it down a bit. <laughs> I don't know. I I I just wonder because I'm. I'd love to. I like to see what people think or how people think. And yeah. No, that's that's that is in the back of my mind. Um, I suppose if you met someone, you know that. Couldn't had the same. Same goals, maybe. Didn't mind living out in the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone minds living out in the sticks. Uh, What's uh, your? If I was to say. 10 years you're going to have the perfect life what would it be what you would perceive your perfect life as a now to be in 10 years I don't know I'd have started up small business of my own maybe what that's doing now, I don't know maybe could be just tree surgery I suppose or something like that oh, you're going to do something madder than that <laughs> um, scuba diving well, Lessons in Portumda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Jeg lå på synge på. Um, I'd love to just buy, I tell you what I'd really love to do, I'd love to just buy a smallish sailing yacht, you know, maybe 12, 13 meters, something like that. Um, just sail around the world. <laughs> would, you, would you love to do that? Yeah. You yeah, are going to do it, aren't you? Should we look into it anyway? <laughs> think about it. <laughs> How much is a sailing yacht that big? Um, I'd pick something up, I think, for maybe 35, 40 grand. And would that be a pile of shite or a good jock? Oh, it'd be good enough. Good it'd enough be, going be, around the world. It'd be old. Well, I sailed around I sailed around New Zealand um, a good few years ago now with um, a friend of mine. And she had her own boat. It was 10 and a half meters. It was fairly old. It was built in 1985. It used to leak and every fucking thing, Jesus. And, uh, and we were out for two months. And Jesus, we hit some rough seas. Oh, my word. And when we're at sea, like it's only two of us, so like you're doing tr- uh, three hours, I'm watching in three hours sleeping, twenty four hours a day, and I oh, just be fair wreck. It was some challenge though, like the excitement of, especially in even in rough seas. But I remember coming out of Cook Strait at one point, and we were taking lots and lots of waves over the boat, and it was a hole in the anchor lock or some fucking thing. Anyway, what's an anchor lock? anchor locker on the front of the boat where the anchor stored and the ch- and on the chain and there was the water wasn't draining out that properly and it was leaking back into the boat which next thing we know we have about two foot of water inside the boat <laughs> how long did that take to happen? <laughs> not that long well a few hours um it was actually the first time i was ever sick on the boat because i went get there. the bucket <laughs> well, that's what i was doing and there's a bilge pump in the center like mounted in the center but we were sailing into the wind so we're healed over that much that all the water was just um, pooling up like in, on one side of the boat and the bilge pump wasn't doing anything. The only time you'd get a bit of water pumped out was when you were changing tack. You're going from one side to the other. You'd hear the bilge pump kicking So how in. far are you from land? We were close enough at that point. What do you call close enough? Uh, Swim I mean, distance? No, I know. Like, I'd say it would be three or four miles. Oh, for fuck's sake. Um... And I decided I'd get down and I'd try bail out some of the water with a bucket. As soon as I went down, it was so rough. And I got sick everywhere. I just stayed about. <laughs> it was horrendous. And then later that night, actually, we were out off the, the west coast and we took a massive wave. And I was on, I was on deck. I had not long learned to sail either. I thought you were going to say on drugs. Well, may as well have been. <laughs> on, I was out on deck, so I was on watch and... There was a girl on watch with me, this English girl, and she'd never been on a boat before. And she was horrendously sick. She's on watch with me. She didn't have a clue what she was doing. What are you watching for? So we don't crash into rocks or New Zealand or any other boats coming and keeping the boat on course. But oh, the weather was horrendous. Anyway, took a massive big wave across the boat and the whole thing breached. And I nearly what got washed. What does breached mean? Tipped over. The boat tipped over. Pretty much, like it was on its side, like well over, and I got washed off the the top of where I was sitting, and only for as tethered on, I was just hanging on. Um, the boat came back upright again, and it was just full of water. Everything was full of water. I thought, oh jeez, we're going to die, <laughs> and it was pitch black, dark, like middle of the night, middle of a storm. Did you ever genuinely uh, think you were going to die? Then I did. <laughs> did your life flash before your eyes? <laughs> yeah. And coming back from actually Mongolia, I nearly crashed in France. 
nearly had the head on collision. I nearly shot myself. <laughs> That's mad. Yeah. But yeah, that time, that was scary. Like, if I'd have been washed over the side, if the lanyard had it broke or whatever, that was it. Not a chance of finding me. Does Irish mammy and daddy mind you doing all this stuff for the dinner? I don't know the half, but. <laughs> Did they ever say to you, will you ever come home and do something with your life? Mammy, I'm making loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, Asher, I think they always like having me home. Um, I spend a lot of time back here now, though. I never used to. Like Ireland's good. Favorite spot. You always send mad videos. You could be in pubs anywhere. <laughs> Just going for a few drinks. Could be in a back pub in any place, couldn't they? Yeah, sure. A few scoops in I'd say you've met some just amazing, interesting people. Yeah, yeah, you do. You meet some really cool people everywhere you go, I suppose. As long as you're open to talking to them. Yeah. More so when I travel by myself, I think I meet meet a lot more people. Which is good. Remember I met uh he was a teacher actually in a in a bar. He actually owned a bar. Somewhere in Turkey. I can't even remember the name of the place. Some of these arsehole place in the middle of Turkey. And he was the nicest guy ever. And he gave us free free booze all night, except from Rob. And he couldn't speak any English. And he wrote um he wrote a letter for us and gave it to us. And he was kind of explaining that how um happy he was to have met us. Oh. And wishing us well on, on our journey. Because obviously we were in uh, doing the, the rally at that time. And yeah, it was like, I was like, fuck, that's really cool. And he says, and he, he really regretted the fact that he wasn't able to speak. Yeah, to communicate with us properly. And um, he t he, if he could live his life again, he'd love to be able to, uh, to do something like what we we're doing then. And it was really cool. So we found this young guy that was also in the pub and he spoke um, Turkish and English. So he translated, translated first. I'm like, fuck, I still have the letter at home, actually. But yeah, so you, you know, you meet all sorts. Um, the people there are like so friendly. Think of all the places we went to. I'd say you're, you're one of these lads that has very few regrets because you kind of do everything you want. Yeah, well, yeah. You kind of have to, don't you? Uh, sometimes within re within yeah. reason. Sometimes you're constrained. yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm in a good position where there's not a whole lot holding me back, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, it's good. It's amazing. It's yeah. If what advice would you give young lads out there? If you could give them one piece of advice, any opportunity you get, definitely just go with it. It's just times you're kind of humming and hawing. Like I've, like just for job. Like, Jobs, especially, you know, or just traveling. Um, when you've nothing to lose, when you've just do it. Yeah, yeah. Because you never know where it's going to take you. No, no, you, you definitely don't. It's like, so, for instance, so I started off on the boat one now. I was the dive instructor on there. And they weren't mad into diving. And I was working for five months and then having one month off. I was like, Jesus, my age, I don't want to be doing this. You know, I, I need more time myself um and do do my own thing so anyway i ended up i sort of half mentioned it to the person that was on the uh, still on the boat so he works alongside me but um i, I mentioned it to him anyway and they were look i didn't realize they were looking for a purser on the boat 
that is a um looks after the finances mm. and crew and um the guests and all of that then and the things um pay and and that so i was i'd finished work and i was gone to bed next thing the phone rings in my cabin and it's the bloody captain <coughs> and he asked me up to the office now generally on a boat if you're summoned to the office you're in trouble usually you're getting fired oh. <laughs> to be quite honest with you so i thought oh jesus what have i done and i thought ah, that's it now <coughs> sorry COVID. So, yeah <laughs> so um so i i went on up anyway expecting to be fired and then the you captain know, what did i do what yeah I do? and then the captain says to me he's like uh have a bit of a proposition for you i was like what's that like uh suck my fucking dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can have everything <laughs> um so yeah he says uh um we're looking for a purser you might be the man for the job he's like what the fuck's a purser even do <laughs> so i said to him like no fucking clue so um he said uh i sure you know it's handy like you just pay a few bills manage the crew this, that, and the other. I didn't explain it very well, I'll be quite honest with you. <laughs> and then he says to me, he said, uh, are you any good at maths? And he's like, ah, I can use a calculator. Yeah, I get by. Hey, you can use a calculator, whatever you want. <laughs> and then he said, any good at computers? I was like, nah, I don't even own a computer. I've known one since about 2012. Mm. I'll pick it up pretty quick. And there's something else he asked me. One other question anyway. Um, and he says, ah, it's a no-brainer anyway. You get six months a year off, because basically you only work for six, and you get a pay rise. So what more? You don't have to lose. Mm, let me think about it. <laughs> so a few days later, anyway, I was like, yeah, go on. I'll give it a crack. So just, you know, opportunities like that. Mm. Just take it. And mm. when you think about it, if you, you didn't, didn't lose. Like, if you didn't do them things, mm. like, you, you never, like, you'd never have experienced all those. No. And you put yourself in an uncle an uncomfortable position initially I suppose and I know we've been chatting about that and it sounds like the perfect life but you've had to work really really hard oh yeah it's not it's not easy you work hard there's no easy money no no and you've For always sure. been working yeah yeah even when I was at school when I was Mitch in school I still went to work yeah I used to just bring like on the bus tip on wouldn't even have a school bag in me, in me ba or a school book in my bag just have a change of clothes. There's a mate of mine delivered milk. So I used to get off the school bus, go down, jump in the back of his van, change into my normal clothes, go deliver milk for the day. She <laughs> paid me. Was girl. his name Pat Mustard? <laughs> <laughs> Pat There's Mustard. some very hairy babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was just never, never, hard days work never killed anyone, I don't think. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, that's another one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on. Because we talk about this kind of stuff a lot. Yeah. And the general narrative now that I think a lot of young lads are hearing is if you're not really good in school and if you're not going to college and doing all these courses that you're going to be a failure. Yeah. When there's loads of different routes. Oh, there's so many different things. As long as you just do something. Yeah. Doesn't matter what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Because no one could have plot, plotted your route. That's a mad route. Oh, no, no. <laughs> not in the... It's exactly what you said, just saying yes to things. Yeah, that's it. You know, and obviously you need a bit of initiative. 
What drives you? Like, what is your push and goal? What's your... What is the end game? The end game? I guess just to have a comfortable life. You know, not to, not to want for much. What do you want for? I don't want, I don't want for anything at the moment. <laughs> so then it can't be that because you'd have stopped. That's true. But then I suppose I always had the goal of buy a, you know, buy a small house, bit of land, um, preferably mortgage free. That's possible. Probably not anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I think anything's possible. If you yeah, of course it is. Yeah. And well, you can't staple water to a tree. <laughs> no. You can't eat your own head. But apart from them things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I suppose that's that's something that I just yeah, I'd like to comfortable like it. And I don't want for much really like. So small little cottage, bit of land. Happy. Are you religious? Um more so recent, yeah. I'd say for a long time no denounced anything to do with any form of religion but then um it's kind of it's kind of funny i went uh i ended up in peru and um, was after actually the time uh in new zealand when i you know feeling it, bad yeah feeling not feeling great and as a friend of mine erica um i had been chatting to her i hadn't spoken to her in four years we used to work on a boat together and we had Spoken about going to Peru, doing a trip, and uh, do not uh, going to this ayahuasca retreat. Now we're talking. Tell me everything. <laughs> so, um, after hearing everything that uh, you know, I'd said to her about the time in New Zealand, and you know, not sh- shite headspace. Like, and it wasn't wasn't imp- wasn't getting any better. Like, it wasn't doing us any favors. I don't think. Um, just. Last direction of it, I suppose. Um, so she rings me up one day anyway and says, I found this retreat in in Peru, ayahuasca retreat. I think you should go do it. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to go by myself. And she's like, no, I'll go as well. So right, let me think about it. There was no thinking about it anyway. She went and booked it. That was it. She booked mine and hers and... Then there was another friend wanted to come on the trip with us as well, Evan. So how much he, was it? He never about uh, eighteen hundred euros for nine days. Um, so Evan ended up coming to it. He'd never even heard of ayahuasca, so he sent him a link to look into it. If you don't want to come, you can go travel, and we'll meet up with you afterwards. So went there, um, flew into Lima, and then down to a place called Iquitos, which is. The weirdest place in what way I've ever been it is it's it's hard to explain it's like it's a dark sort of weird place that people are going to I don't know to get away from something or to everyone's in a bad headspace is it negative it's, it feels that way when you're there there's a lot of, and a lot of um, alternative types go there, and I think just never leave. Um, whatever the draw is, but it's like the gateway to the <coughs> to the Amazon. So we spent a few days there. And it was just wild. 
could hardly go out at night time. It was just wild place. I think everyone is just on all sorts of um uh hallucinogenics and stuff and it's just it's just a weird vibe. And you go to the market, there's a black market there, and you go in around the market and the stuff that you see just what? weird. Well, there was one jar and I remember saying to the to the guy that was organizing our trip, I said, What the what is this? Oh, that's um River Dolphin Vagina. I said, What the fuck are they doing in a jar? And right enough, like you look, it's like, Oh yeah, it does look like a vagina, right? What did they do with that? Oh, it's used in some um ritual like ceremony thing um for no impotence or some bloody thing. I don't know. It was, it was so weird. And the weirdest the stuff there. That was definitely the weirdest thing. Um Ever Dolphin Vagina. Honest to God. Like you a in a in a pickled in a jar. I think that's gonna be a new sticker now. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so what was the uh, give me a quick run no quick run no, no, actually not a quick one. I want a detailed rundown of the ayahuasca trip. So what did they say to you and what do you do? But when you first arrive, so it's about it was about three and a half hours boat ride anyway from Makitos down the Amazon. You and you're heading down the main trunk of the Amazon and then you a tributary off to it and then a smaller one and then a smaller one. And as you're going, like you're seeing snakes and all sorts of stuff like um monkeys galore and it's just getting wilder and wilder and wilder. Till eventually it feels like you're just in the middle of nowhere and you arrive at this place, this uh, this retreat. So you get there and then you're greeted by the two shaman there. Is it and does everyone get their own shaman or is there two shaman? No, there's two shaman for that they speak look English. after everybody. Not a, no, not a bit. Not a bit. One of them is eighty six and he was pretty much blind. And it was his son then, I think was fifty four, fifty six. So they were the two shaman that we had. Amazing. Amazing man. Can you get a vibe off? Yes. The minute that you yeah. meet him. Yeah. Yeah, you just feel it's, it's hard to explain. And are they really able to read you by just reading you? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's certain things they do with touch as well. Um, It's yeah, it's very... Did you do the purge? Yes. Was it? Were you nervous while you were meeting them? Like, is it, is it yeah, getting it was. scary? Yeah, and because when you go there, like, there was 12, there were 12 people there. Um... And before you've before you've gone, you've explained everything. Like you've written basically an essay about yourself that you've sent to them, so they know everything about you. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, there's a reason you're going there. So mine was like was depression and whatever. Um. So you, you've explained all that before you get there. And then you do a mad, mad um, detox diet before you get there. How, how long is the diet? Um, so we were doing for seven days before. And is it just water? and Water and you can eat vegetables pretty much. And you can't and even season them or anything, no, can you? No, no salt, no sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, um, no spicy foods. Nothing. So you 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 go in and you're brought to your place you're sitting. Yeah. So yeah, you go into the so the very first day you arrive, you've and you explain to all the other people that are there as well, 
you know what you hope to achieve achieve from your time there um and that's quite you know just doing that it's a bit mm. <laughs> but anyway. you don't know i'm just strangers. no not strangers but you're all there for the same for reason. the same reason so that done then the ceremony would start and you can just picture it now in the middle of the amazon jungle and even just the noises of the jungle yeah um like it's haunting so you're sitting there there's a few candles lighting there's no electricity around or anything out there. There's a few candles lighting. The shaman um, start off with some some chants, and then they bless the place, and then they do a lot of this um, smoke, this jungle tobacco. They blow the tobacco onto you and all around. That's cleansing, apparently. Then cleanses they come, the dark spirits. Yeah, mm. and then they come round with their a cup of ayahuasca. And each person individually. How drink. much do you have to drink? They, they decide. They measure it out. What does it taste like? Horrendous. Like hard to get mucky, down. Mucky, mucky battery acid. <laughs> it's a brown, pretty disgusting substance, and it is bitter and horrible. Is the worst taste. Very hard to get down. So you just have to. You get it, you're supposed to say a prayer and sort of uh, you ask Mother Ayahuasca what you what you want to achieve from from your trip. Your yeah, your trip from your ceremony. And then you drink it. And once everybody's finished drinking, all the candles go out. So you're in pitch black. Pitch black dark. The noises of the jungle. The noises of the jungle. And then the shaman start this Chant. ritual chanting. It's haunting. Really haunting. Um, but quite enlivening at the same time, if you get me. But yeah, first time, you don't know what to expect. You're just sitting there, waiting, listening to all this. And I just remember, in, the, in a rocking chair, I mean, just rocking in my chair. <coughs> Definitely COVID. COVID. <laughs> COVID, yeah. And I remember looking at the ceiling and it was just all these bright sort of, it's like a Rory Borealis sort of a thing on the ceiling. And I was like, fuck, this is, this is, this is cool. This is mesmerizing. Um, and that, that lasted, mm, I don't know, it seemed like a while. Probably wasn't that long at all. Uh, and then, just like that, could feel a sort of a dark energy just like grabbing you grabbing taking my body and just enveloping it i said like, what is happening to me um and my body started to spasm and like your limbs be moving uncontrollably uh i remember then sort of lurching back just like going really stiff back in the chair and at this point the guy that sort of oversees not one the shaman, the guy that oversees William, the guy that oversees the whole thing, he comes over and he puts his hand on my shoulder. I didn't realise it was him at the time. Um, and as soon as I feel the hand, I look around and all I could see was like the, the devil had touched me and it was this dark, really dark, spiky appearance with these evil eyes 
And all he was saying, it's okay, I'm here, I'm here. I was like, oh, leave me alone. Please, no, just go, just leave me. He's like, no, it's, you're fine, you're okay. And I honestly thought it was like it was the, the devil was trying to. And then after that, then I just went into Nether Netherland. And how was Neverland? Scary. Was it horrendously scary? Was it geometric? Was it internal? Did you feel like you were being pulled apart? Did yes. Yeah. So did you see Mother Ayahuasca? In the first one, no. It was just dark demons. It was very strange. Very, it was very scary. I'll have to be honest. But I, I remember sort of it was if I would, I would stiffen like and dead straight back in the in the in the chair, and it was like someone was pulling at my my feet, and then someone else pulling at my upper body, like it's trying to tear me apart, tear me apart, pull me in two. And every every few moments then, my head would just lurch back and my mouth would be wide open. I could like, I had no control over it. And it felt as if something was coming, like a hand was reaching down into my, into my throat or into my body. And I couldn't, like, I was just stiff, like. And it was paining me. My, like, my head was that, was that, tight and my oh it's unreal and something was trying to pull pull it out of me and then whatever was pulling at the other side it was like no don't let them have it don't let them have it or like it was like why are you trying to steal my soul or mm. or and then is something trying to to get inside me oh, it was and at the same time you're probably trying to hold on to reality trying you, you, but you, and it's at failing. that point at the, yeah at that point like i'd know i'd no control over what was happening to me but then just like that i would come out of that state and i'd lurch forward and how i didn't even fall out of the chair i don't know lurch forward <gasps> as if i hadn't had a breath in ages and it's just the deepest breath and then i'd be like oh my god oh my god oh my god and it, yeah it was so scary and that's when the purging would start so you had a basin in front of you on the floor i remember picking the basin up and just Bleh! and just the most horrendous stuff coming out of you purging and then just like that then I'd be gone back into the other state again where that same thing was happening and are you feeling why did I do this why did I do this yeah because I remember um, at one point I just ended up I kind of back and I was in the fetal position in the in the chair and I just kept saying I kept shouting I was like fuck I can't do this I can't do this Please make it stop. Please make it stop. And then the shaman would come over and they were blowing this stuff across my face and kind of calm me down a little bit. Please, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Please make it stop. And like, you're, that, you're in it. There's mm. no stopping it. Um, And that, yeah, that was scary. And I was like, and then they go. And I said, please don't leave me. Please don't leave me. I just didn't want to be left on my own. You know, there's people around me. Um, And then just like that again, body's just consumed by it again. And you're just... You're back in that um, sort of like you're in a bloody straitjacket um, and just stiff and le like launching back in the chair. How I didn't end up breaking myself mm. up, I don't know. But yeah, I never fell out of it. And then after a while, it was as if I was taken 
and I was taken to this waiting room. Like you could feel as if I was just there, but it was really, really dark in this room. And it was all these um, sort of spirits, dark, very dark spirits, look similar to the, to the devil that had touched me at the start. And the objective seemed to be to get out of this waiting room. And it was a big, long hallway out of it. And then it turned sharp to the right. And once you got to, to that point, you could see it was just really bright. So it seemed like that was the objective. And I, I suppose like all these demons were like probably, I don't know, drink, drugs, mm. um, self-loading, depression, whatever. It was all this sort of things maybe that were... Manifested in yeah, your... Yeah, within you. Um, and every time I go to try leave, they were like clawing at me and just pulling me back. Like, don't go, don't go, stay here. It's a... Uh, you're safe here. We look after you. You know this. Don't go. You can't trust them. Don't, 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 don't leave us. And they were like just pulling at me, pulling at me. And I try to go down this hallway and I get so far and then I'll be just dragged back. And ev and when I'll be dragged back, then I just back to reality. I was back in the room, you know. And I knew that that happened twice. The same thing. And it's like every time it's like, don't go, don't go. Stay, stay. You're safe here. And like, it was scary. And then I remember, I remember then um, Erica, so the girl that was there with, with me and she was like right beside me in the next seat. And it was as if she was there and I, I could nearly feel her giving me a big hug. And then she, she said, I can help you. Just follow me. It's easy. Um, and like she's really light and mm. airy and she just kind of skips off down the thing and she keeps looking back it's like Desi come on hurry up it's easy and say, like the same thing is still happening to me the, the demons are pulling, you back. pulling me back and clawing me back and then she's skipping I'm trying to follow her and she's like come on let's go just have to get to the light you're nearly there and then she'd skip on and then look back again and and then next thing she's gone and I'm just dragged back again. That happened twice. And it, in your head, does that feel like it's going on forever? And oh, ever, ever and ever. You think ever. It, you're never coming out of it? Yeah. This is your life now. Yeah. But like the, the ceremony goes on for, it could be six to eight hours. Like it's it's a long ceremony. Um, and that happened that many times. So I just remember then when I'd come out of that and I just, I'm shouting, like, please don't make me go back there. I can't do it. I can't do it. It was like, it was literally draining me. And um, it probably happened about five or six times. And then intermittent purging then as well, which like the most horrendous feeling. But then afterwards you feel so good. Did you get out of the room? Uh, no, not that time. No, it didn't seem, no, I didn't. I was, I couldn't, wasn't able to leave. I think in the next, we've done four ceremonies, so I think afterwards. Was the I second one the hardest one? The first one was. But the second one, were you not going, oh, fuck, if I do this again? Oh, again. yes, no. Um, beforehand, I was terrified. I was terrified. But uh, everything everything was moving. So even after, like, you can't really walk very well, so I need to go to the toilet. Actually, at one point, I thought I'd chat myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm there, and I could feel the whole sensation and everything. And I was there, oh, my God, I can't believe I've done that. Oh, my God, I can't believe I've done that. Oh, fuck, what'll I do? What'll I do? And then eventually 
put my hand up. One of the helpers came over and says, I need to go to the toilet. So took me up, brought me to the toilet. And I was in there and pulled my pants down. Nothing. But like in my mind, I could feel, I could feel it like. It was so strange. I was 100% certain. I just... Was that your first time to experience the disillusion of the body and mind? Yes. Yeah. Well, to that extent. Yeah, definitely. Um, a scary, a very scary thing, but I definitely has the ability to change. Did it change you? Yes. How? Um, I definitely don't have any of that. I used to like quite anxious about stupid shit like and then other things I just wouldn't care about um and I'd, I'd easily get worked up and then obviously that time in, in New Zealand when it was sort of manifested into depression like it wasn't good it was not good for me for anything for me or any of the people around me um so it's it it seems to have just dissipated that I've kind of a yeah, not, it's ever since. There's not a whole lot that really bothers me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but amazing experience. But uh, that night, I said I'd never do it again. When After the ceremony, it was like eight hours long. But once I came back from the toilet, and I remember just sitting there, it was the most peaceful I'd ever felt. And I don't think I even moved. Not a muscle, I'd say, for about two hours. Just sat there, listened to the jungle. And did any of the experiences as they went on just have total peace? Or was the well, total it was the peace, peace afterwards? The peace was after, like when I was sitting there. And it just, obviously, f- I, I felt amazing. Um, But I said after, I was like, I'm not doing any more, that's it. I can't do it. And got up the next day after like a few hours sleep, a cold shower went out and then people started asking me if I was okay I said what do you mean it's like we were we were praying for you last night during the ceremony because you were clearly going through something I said oh could you hear me oh everything never heard as many swear words in the <laughs> ayahuasca ceremony before in our lives um, and they were scared for me because of how intense this whole thing was and uh, I kind of felt, a, a, well, you're asked to explain anyway, like to try and it helps you and it helps other people as well. So I was explaining to them exactly what happened. They were like, holy shit, like that's, that's scary. Mm. <laughs> I said, well, it was scary. Um, and the more I talked about it then, um, kind of, I felt better then as the day, as the day went by. And do you think it, Showed you what it needed to show you? Yes. About yourself? Yes. That really only you could understand? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, it has an amazing ability to, if you allow it, to, to heal you, I think. Um, and it, it must alter your mind some some way, maybe. Do you afterwards... Gives it a broader perspective of things, maybe. Do you... Do you um, do you ever think about stuff like that now? Like, do you ever think, God, I think I'd like to do that again? It does cross my mind, yeah. 
I think you need it's I, I think it's something that sort of draws you in rather than you go seek it, if you know what I mean. Mm. It's not like I'd been four years since I'd actually even played with the idea of going there and doing it. Um and then not really thought about it much afterwards. And obviously it, then it when a, it was needed then It was a heavy thing to do oh, first. Yeah. Had you any experience with psychedelics ranting before that? No. It was like a, you just started at real top. Oh, this is, yeah, straight in. Head first. Yeah, ayahuasca. It's <laughs> <laughs> mad. Yeah. No, we go, we'll go to Peru some point. We'll go to Peru sometime. <laughs> but, um, no, look, I'll ask one more question before I go. I, I asked the last guest this, and I thought it was a good one. Um, if... I could give you a choice of living forever or dying right now this second. Which one would you pick? She'd live forever, wouldn't you? I'd die. Just die now? Yeah. yeah but I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. Why? Because you're a lone ranger, aren't you? You're the <laughs> ultimate lone ranger. <laughs> fuck it. Yeah. I'll live forever. Yeah, fuck it. Go <laughs> That's on. how I ended up on the ball. <laughs> I keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but look, Desmond, it was lovely talking to you. That's be good. Glad to come here for a chat. Yeah. And uh, we'll go get some deep now. Yeah. Good yeah. time. So, um, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And I'll see you all next week. Good luck.